Well, it was quite a week uh, we just had, and, uh, and I'm pooped. I'm really tired. I, they, these kids wore me out. We had five crews of the VBS kids come through our station, one after another, 20-minute Bible lessons, five crews, five days a week, 25 Bible lessons, five different scripts, three different costumes. Um, I'm pooped. I'm pooped. Um, I used to run a summer camp. I love camps. Uh, I met my wife at a summer camp. I got connected to this church through a, a connection through a summer camp. I love camp, but I'm just, maybe I'm just not as young as I was or the energy, but man, that was exhausting. But praise God, and, and I just want to echo uh, thanks to uh, Kathy Harwood, to Heidi Rask, to all the many volunteers, uh, people who spent the week uh, just serving these kids and uh, as station leaders and uh, with the registration, the setup, the decorating, the cleanup. This place was trashed on Friday. This, was a, this church was a disaster, but it looked kind of nice when you came in, I think. So um, a number of campers praying to uh, put faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and while we were doing that here, I also know that many of you were in your places of work and in your neighborhoods, and you were uh, accomplishing the good ministry that God called you to as you were uh, encouraging and praying for your neighbors and coworkers and having spiritual conversations. And this is the church. This is God's church. Whether we're gathered here doing things together, whether we scatter to the places where he has put us, we are living a new way of life. We are living as a new people, connected vitally to Jesus, uh, in his name, uh, blessing our world, and seeing God's kingdom expand, and seeing, really seeing God add to our numbers, and to add to the numbers of his kingdom. You know, and this is the lesson we taught the children on Friday. We were teaching them that as you get connected to God, you're also connected to his family. And when the early Christians lived out that way of life, God added to their number and to the, you know, by the thousands, adding to the number of believers in the world. And we're, we're still part of that. God continues uh, to add as we live out this special way of life. And it's this whole, that's the whole premise of this sermon series as we've been looking through uh, the letter to the Ephesians that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He's saying, look, God... God um, connected you to his eternal plan and purposes. And so you're vitally now connected to God, but you're also vitally connected to one another uh, as a family, as a body, as a people. And that's at the heart of this uh, passage that was just read for us. So, and, and I can't tell you how important, I can't overstate how important this passage is to truly understand how connected we are to what God is doing, not just in our hearts, not just in our church, but uh, on a, on a, really on a cosmic level even, we'll see that God is unfolding his purposes through us, his people. This is a, such a great privilege. Uh, this is such a joy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing of what it means to be your people. And I pray now that through your word, and by the teaching of your Holy Spirit to us, that we would understand this uh, in, a, in a deeper, uh, even a more meaningful way this morning as we gaze into your word. Lord, keep me from error. Forgive my sin. As we do this, we just trust your goodness to us. Um, give us insight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so this passage of Scripture from Ephesians 3, verses 2 through 13 is in the Greek language is one big long run-on sentence, 189 words, and it's all just one after another. A little hard to break up, so I'll give you two words to break this in half here. 
mystery and ministry. The Apostle Paul talks about this mystery that was revealed to him and then the ministry that flowed from the mystery. So uh, first of all, so we'll start with the mystery. In verse 1 he says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner for the sake of you Gentiles, for this reason, for what reason? Well, the reason was what he has just taught at the end of uh, chapter 2, which we're not going to look at in any great depth, but it's very important. He said, you Gentiles, you non-Jews, you uh, just nations of people, you were, at one time, you were separated from God. You were also separated from God's people and all the promises to God's people, the nation of Israel. You were separated from God and his people, but through Jesus Christ, you've been brought in, you've been brought close. You've been reconciled to God. You've been uh, counted to be part of this blessing of God's people. That Jesus Christ has done that by removing the barrier between, between you. The barriers of, of uh, the customs and the laws and all these things that Jesus fulfilled. All of God's requirements have been fulfilled in Jesus. And therefore, by faith, we have access to God. Just the same as if, if you're a Jew or a non-Jew. We're all we're now one family. In the language that he uses in chapter 2, he said God is creating a new humanity. That God is creating one new single humanity. You're all family members. You're all, the image there, you're all like a body. and Christ is your head. You're like a building that's built together, all connected. And the world can see God through you uh, at the location of God at his the place where he lives, which is in his people. You've been woven together, one people under one God. So he says, it was that, it was, it was this, is, this is the mystery, verse 3. He said, this mystery made known to me by revelation, that God revealed something about this to Paul specifically. In verse 6, specifically, he says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So that's the mystery. And the word mystery there, a little different than the way we use it in English. Sometimes mystery can mean mysterious or strange or puzzling. The way it's being used here is just basically, here's something that was not known, that's now known. And Paul said, it was made known to me, God revealed it to me. Well, if, you, if you're familiar with the scriptures, you see the fact that there's blessing to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles, is not a surprise. Remember, God created the world and it was good. People lived in harmony with each other. They lived in harmony with their environment. They lived in harmony with God. And people rebelled against God. That's sin. And that, uh, the, the world becomes disordered. And there's curse that comes through that. People are divided from each other. They're separated from God in their sin, and and there's just chaos in the world. But God, out of his mercy and in his grace, is restoring that world. God specifically chose one family, one tribe of people who became later became a great nation, to demonstrate his saving work, to to live it out for the world, to be the, the messengers and to be those who are living under special promises from God. That was the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. But when God called Abraham and he said all, that, that God was going to bless him, he said, actually, all the nations of the world, the word Gentile, nations, is the same word, 
He said, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. And then in the Psalms, God says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. The prophet Isaiah talks about how all the nations, all the Gentiles will be streaming to the mountain of God, that they'll be seeking God. Also in the prophet Isaiah, God called his people to be a light to the Gentiles multiple times. God said that that God's people were going to be a light to all nations, that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And even Jesus, when when he told his disciples to go, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, of all the Gentiles. So it's, how is that a mystery? How is that something special that Paul has understood that nobody else really understood? Because I think we can see it everywhere that God had a plan for all the nations. What the Old Testament didn't say and what Jesus didn't really reveal was the fact that this nation of Israel was no longer going to continue to exist as just a geopolitical nation with a land and a laws. But there's a new humanity that's being created of both Jews and Gentiles, all on the same standing, all on the same footing, and that it's going to be um, across nations. It's going to transcend any one group of people, one family, one political nation. It's going to be the church. It's the body of Christ. Um, Equal terms, without distinction between Jew and Gentile. That's a whole new thing. And this is huge. Um, all, the, all the promises in the scripture about blessing the nations, not that the nations are all can be made into one new humanity, Jew and Gentile. That's a, it's hard to describe how big of a deal that is. The, the, the nation of Israel, they knew that they had a special calling from God, but they took that special calling and that special privilege they had to become very prideful, to see themselves as a favored nation, a favored race of people. They looked at Gentiles. They called them dogs, less than human. We are God's chosen people and those Gentile dogs, those sinners. So when, when the followers of Jesus realized that God was creating one new humanity, it was, it was hard. Uh, you may be familiar with the story of uh, the Apostle Peter when God called him to begin preaching to the Gentiles. There was a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. God gave this man, Cornelius, a vision. He said, he said uh, there's a man named Peter. He's in the town of Joppa. You need to go there. He's staying with a man named Simon the Tanner, and his house is by the ocean. Go and get him. At the same time, The Spirit of God gives Peter a vision. He said, three men are here for you. You are to go with them. I am sending you to go. So Peter goes with these men. He goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is there with all of his relatives and his best friends. And he says, Peter, you're here to preach to us. Now, we pray for our neighbors. You talk about opportunity. We pray, pray for a spiritual conversation. And we have these little... We try to talk about our faith or talk about our church and you know, maybe you can kind of squeak Jesus into the conversation. This guy has set up his whole house and God has given him a vision and God gave Peter a message to get together. And what's the first thing Peter says? He says, yeah, I'm not really supposed to be here. It's kind of illegal for me to, it's against my law to actually do this. But since I'm here, he teaches them about Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit is poured out on these people. They believe. They're filled with the Spirit. It's this miraculous thing. And then what does Peter say? I guess we can't not baptize you. Does anybody have any reason to see why we shouldn't do this? Because it doesn't seem right. But he baptizes them. I'm embellishing a little bit. But read the text. Um, then the, the, the Christians back in Jerusalem, in kind of the central church, they, they hear that this happened, that these Gentiles have been filled with the Spirit. And what do they say? Do they celebrate together? No, the first thing they say is, Peter, you know you're not supposed to go in that house. You know you're not supposed to eat with those people, those dogs. But he explains to them, I had this vision, and they had a vision, and I went, and they're filled with the Spirit, and we baptized them, and then they celebrated. They got it. But you could just see how hard it is to realize that something totally new was happening, that they really didn't uh, have a firm grasp on. But then think of someone like the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter. From the moment of his conversion, God revealed to him specifically that he was going to be a messenger to the Gentiles, that his calling specifically was to bring them from darkness to light, out of the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of God, that that was just who he was. So he had that notion, and he uh, he was part of the founding of this of a church in Antioch as the Christians began to travel around and plant new churches. So he's in Antioch, and they just started preaching to the Greeks, to the Gentiles right away. It was just always a multicultural, multi-ethnic kind of church. It was just, just the way it was. They grasped it. They got it. And it was so different of a way that the famous thing about Antioch is that the, that was, Antioch was the first place that these followers of Jesus were called Christians. Do you know what they called Christians before that? Jews. They called them Jews because they, that's what they were. They were all Jews. But now that they have non-Jews, they got these Gentiles, they're coming to faith, but they're not converting to Judaism. They don't, they, they're not adopting the Old Testament law. They're not converting first. They're actually just becoming this new thing that we need a new name for it. So instead of just a sect of Judaism, now we got to call, they all, they're totally different people. They, they're, they're from different ethnic groups. The only thing they have in common is Jesus. So we're going to call them Christians, little Christs. That's all they have. It's a whole new thing. And actually, Peter went to visit that church one time, and he sees all the Gentiles there, and he separates himself from them and only wants to eat with the Jewish people. And Paul gets in his face publicly, and he says, you are not living in line with the gospel. You are not living out the implication of what God is doing in creating one new humanity by separating yourself on these uh, on these lines of your, of your ethnicity, of your Jewish tradition. We are one people. And he said, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to be one. It was, this is a huge shift for them. It's, it's a whole new humanity with Jesus as Lord. And the gospel does this. It's multicultural, it's multi-ethnic, and it's the, the one thing we hold in common, no matter how different our backgrounds, is Jesus Christ that he is the head, that he is Lord. For us today, we seek to foster this type of community where we work towards the unity and we work against the things that would divide us socially, racially, politically, because of our background, because of where we've come from, because of what we've done or what we haven't done. 
We seek to work against those things and be united as people of a bunch of different backgrounds who claim the name Jesus. There is no favored nation. There is no favored race. Our motivation for that kind of unity is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that in our world, there are many people who would like to see more unity and people come together. And there are people in our world who are not motivated by the gospel. They're motivated by other ideologies and other worldviews. And I know that that can create tension as we seek to work together towards this common good. But for me, I know that the gospel is my motivation. And I'm looking to see a world where people can be united and where, where people can be joined as one. We are not divided, where we, uh, where we can point people to the, to the God who made that possible. We pursue unity and we pursue oneness. We are so vitally connected to people who speak different languages. The images, again, at the end of time, of God's kingdom in its fullness. There's all different languages, all different nations. Um, one small expression of that is the work we've done with Bob in the van. That's what we've been calling him. Where's Bob in the van? There's Bob in the van. And we help uh, Bob from France. He, um, Bob actually used to live in Lawrence, by the way. But Bob and his van, they live in France, and he was going to Ukraine to help out. And we helped contribute money to buy that van. And he wrote a letter to those who supported him, and he just got back from a month of shuttling supplies to Ukraine. He says, I'm happy to report that we, collectively as a team, have done a vital, important, good, and God, a Jesus-glorifying work in Ukraine of which we can be proud together. Thank you. God's word informs us that we have a sacred responsibility to our brothers and sisters in need to such a degree that when we feed them, we're somehow feeding Christ himself. And we did this together. So they were literally running food, medical supplies, and diesel fuel from Poland at 90 miles an hour to Ukraine. So the, the fuel shortage they had was so bad that they were bringing supplies, but they had to bring jugs of fuel because if they were to hand off the supplies, the supplies couldn't go anywhere. So here's your supplies, and here's fuel for your vehicle to get it the rest of the journey. They had a four-liter in that area. They had a four-liter limit at the gas station. So four liters of fuel in a van like that doesn't last very long. So it's, here's your food, here's your gas. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have able, been able to do it. He says, most importantly, we were able to transport women and children safely out of Ukraine from a specific secure pickup point at a believer's house in, in a t- specific town through the Ukrainian and Polish checkpoints all the way to a loving and welcoming Christian shelter in Krakow, Poland. He said, door to door, they never left our sight. And they helped all these people get to to safety. He says, thank you for making this possible. We could not have done it without you. And and he adds this to his email, which I don't know what to read into this, but he said, we can also be proud together that we left the team there with the two most reliable vehicles in their fleet. Out of the other three vans they acquired, one had a wheel come loose on the highway. The second broke down across the border and needed the engine rebuilt. And the third lost coolant and overheated. But the two vehicles that we brought from France have not had problems, and they are still going strong. God is good. Did God place a special anointing on the van that we helped contribute to, you know, here from Andover, over there? I don't know. But praise God, it's running strong, and they're still using it, and God is good. 
But we are so vitally connected to people everywhere, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one family, regardless of language or situation or whatever it is, and we just pursue that. That's the mystery that Paul was specifically given to bring to the world, to bring to Jesus' followers, that we are all one new humanity, that God is creating a whole new society, and we can all be part of it by faith. The second thing is the ministry that flows from that. Look at verse 7. So verse 7 says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which in ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. He said, look, this good news, I was given it. I was given the mystery, but now it's a ministry. Now I just got to make it plain to everybody. We're going to preach it to the whole earth. This is a shift from chapter 2. Remember last time we looked at chapter 2? The teaching was that you were dead in your sins and your transgressions, but in Jesus Christ you've been made alive by God's grace. Here this goes beyond, it's not just about you and your sin and your being rescued from that. In God's grace to you, but now you, because you're part of a big family, you have a job to do. It goes beyond you to the world around you, to, to everywhere you go, to share that good news, to bring that light. So it's for you, but it's for your world, but it's beyond that. Look at verse 10. This is strange. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go back to verse 10. That through us, through the church, that God's wisdom is being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. There's heavenly beings that are seeing what we're doing, what you're doing, and they're learning about God's greatness and God's wisdom through you. You're teaching angels. Did you know that? I don't know a lot about angels. I know that, the, that angels are created beings. I know that they were created to minister to God and that angels also minister to people. We know that angels aren't omniscient. Angels don't know everything. Jesus himself, he said, there are things not even the angels in heaven know when he was teaching. So we know that angels don't know everything. And what angels are learning is when they see us living out this new way of life together, they're learning about God. So it goes from you, God saves you, and then calls us together, brings us to be a family to tell it to the world, and it's demonstrating it to the angels in heaven. They're watching your life like a reality TV show. And you didn't think your life was interesting enough to be a reality TV show, but it's, it is, and it's a good show. And there's lots of episodes. And you're not insignificant. You know, Paul saying, look, I'm just, I'm just one messenger. I'm, I'm the least of all of God's people, and here I am with this great thing. You know, there's one episode, if you're, maybe you're a single mother, and you feel very alone, and you're, you're very busy, but you're committed to making disciples in your household, and to raising your children in the faith. And the, the heavenly audience sees that, and they love watching that episode. And they praise God for that episode, because they see how good God is through you. There's another episode of a very successful person in business who gets laid off. 
and uses that time of unemployment to just be a blessing, to serve in new ways and to try uh, new ways of connecting with the community. And, and the angels of heaven see that episode and they praise God. There's, a, there's an episode of a guy just flipping pancakes on Fridays, every Friday morning at the homeless shelter, getting up real early, feeding the folks at the shelter, not even sure if this is even proclaiming the gospel in, in any way, but yet they continue to pray for these guests at the shelter. They continue to minister and encourage them in God's word. And the angels in heaven see that guy flipping pancakes and they, they rewind it and they go back on the DVR and they love that episode. And they praise God for it. There's an episode of one friend who just looking for an opportunity to share faith with a coworker and brings up faith and brings up church and, and just slowly over many years, a very long episode, and then invites that coworker to come to Alpha and to explore Jesus uh, over a, a number of weeks with some other people. And they love that episode too. They never get bored. You know, here's Paul writing from a prison. You know, it seems so, such so hopeless and just so meaningless. You know, in Rome, okay, he's, there's this big movement, but at least this guy's in jail. He can't, what can he do from there? And he's writing the letters. He's encouraging the believers. He's reminding them that this isn't just about your salvation. It's not even just about you telling it to other people. It's, it's God's cosmic and eternal purposes on display in your lives. That's how big this is. That's why we can't, I can't overstate how huge this is. The mystery of God creating a new humanity, the ministry of bringing it to the world and to the cosmos, um, this, is, this is the good news of God. That means for us that if, if the church of God is so central, look, verse 10, through the church, God's wisdom is being made known. If the church is so central to God's plan, it needs to be central to our lives too. That we need to be committed to our fellowship, to make our fellowship sweet. We need to be committed to our worship together, to make our worship together authentic and passionate. We need to be committed to our outreach together, that it's compassionate and, and vital that we're meeting the needs of those uh, who God is calling us to in our community, both as we do it together, gathered, and as we do it scattered as well. There's this whole notion that people have come up with that they claim that their faith is, is about their personal relationship to Jesus. It's me and Jesus, and I'm not really into organized religion, or I'm spiritual but not religious. You know, I've got Jesus, but I'm not a fan of the church. The church is central to God's plan. He didn't just reconcile you to himself. He's called you to be part of this new family. In every church, as wonderful as a church can be, we're a, this church is a, a, dog, a dog of a lifetime, as was, we were told last week. This church is a good church. But every church is in need of reform and revival all the time. This church. We need to be reformed and revived. We need to turn from our sin. We need to do, we need to do it better. And by the grace of God, we will. But it's vital to what God is doing and his eternal purposes. So what do we do? Verse 13, it says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Say, this is, don't be discouraged about suffering because this is going to be hard work to live this out. It's not easy to live out this kind of unity. It's not easy to live out these kind of purposes. It may include suffering. Jesus basically promised us, yes, it will include suffering. But we're going to live out the mission together. 
This is who God has called us to be. He's called us to be his people. He's called us to be his church. But it's not just for ourselves. It's for the world. and It's, it's all that God is doing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. This is exciting. Uh, this is, you are so good to call us to be part of this family. This one new humanity that you've created under the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ, our Savior. You have done it all to we, that we can be reconciled to people everywhere. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate that in all that we do. Unity of people, not divided by culture or ethnicity or by language or by status, but we are one. And in your name, Lord, may we serve excellently. We may display your goodness through our lives, Lord. Give us the grace to do so. Give us the strength to persevere in, into this good work. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.